some people are very successful in their resentment that can't last. Eventually, it's just gonna blow up your heart and you're gonna die young. If you take care of the basics, you can execute your stuff way longer. Do not discount the value of basic things. Luck is a relationship between the work that you put in ahead of time and this like serendipitous thing occurring. If you as a creator think everything I do has to be original, yes, your thing is very likely to be different. It's also going to suck balls. Saying yes to something, even if 90% of you wants to say no to this opportunity, is something that you should do. If you say no to every single one of those, then you're just closing a door every single time. Hey, welcome to The Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's day, and I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor, but not with us is our guest, Alternate History Hub. Because of uh, a little bit of a emergency that popped up today, life happens and life happens to Cody today. So Matt and I will be uh, discussing something that sort of was a catalyst uh, by this cancellation of our guest, who I, I will say we will we will reschedule as soon as possible um, sometime in February, most likely. But but basically life happens and life happens. Life happens, life happened yeah. to Cody. Uh, he's dealing with stuff. And uh, amidst everything else going on with his life as a creator, things outside of his control and outside of all of our control tends to uh, po pop up and uh, rear its ugly head when you least expect it. But this can be a learning lesson. And we have uh, a list of, of learning lessons here that we'd like to go through today. Is that right, Matt? It is. And to be clear, the, the stuff that popped up for him, I don't I don't think he would feel especially doxxed if if we said it was like a homeowner issue. He had a bit of a water problem. I had one a few weeks ago that came out of nowhere and ruined my Friday and Saturday and Sunday. Um, but yeah, we, we don't want you to think he had some like, you know, like like his entire family was in a 19 car pile up. Like, no, 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 <clears throat> the, I, I think he's going to be fine. He just had one of those mundane, uh, mundane adult issues that, uh, you, you can't afford not to deal with immediately. You have no choice when water is gushing somewhere. You can't just be like, oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get it done after I send these emails. Like, no life stops, especially since everybody's working from home now. <laughs> no, if the sprinkler system went off in the office, everybody would stop working. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, yeah. And so we started talking about um, how, how to absorb those things. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Cody will have his issue sorted out today and be back to normal tomorrow and, and whatever. And we generally do that, too. You know, I talked about my a uh, weird water issue happening and I sorted it out and, you know, got on with life, whatever. Well, uh, it's pretty easy to live in such a way that you cannot sort things out straight away. And we started talking about what, what can you do that's going to bury you? 
What can you do that is just guaranteed to put you in a bad position with all the stuff that we talk about, whether it's your creative pursuits or just generally doing stuff? We came up with a list of kind of hard and fast truths that are just guaranteed to make things suck for you if you if you don't avoid these things. Yeah, yeah. How to guarantee you you won't make it. I mean, uh, I think, yeah, a lot of the things that we especially have been talking about lately, but but overall try to discuss on this podcast are are choices, choices that you can make Mm -hmm. or not make and um, can lead you down, you know, that that meme where one side of the fork in the road is the scary castle and the other one is like the bright and sunny one. So, yeah, it with all the things we say to like and when we talk to people and they talk about their experience and the advice they have for people, everything from the straight up operational advice to when we ask people at the end, what makes an interesting person? Well, none of those things are guaranteed to work out. Okay, they are generally very helpful. They generally do work out, but it's not like you can follow a formula and things are going to be great. You're not going to necessarily turn your thing into a full-time pursuit. Uh, If you do, it may last six months instead of 16 years. Who knows? But I'm comfortable saying that all the stuff we're about to talk about today, if you do those, you are guaranteed to fail. So there's no guarantee on succeeding, but yeah, you can absolutely guarantee failure. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, It is remarkable how easy it can be to make sure that it will be impossible for you to succeed. It's actually remarkably easy when you think about it, which is, I think, why a list like this is useful because it can be uh, helpful for people to hear, you know, a a list of seemingly easy traps to fall into or or behaviors to fall into that are, you know, almost Mm -hmm. virtually impossible for you to kind of... uh, kind of clear that hurdle in one way or another. It'll just drown you yeah, at the end. There's this great, there's this great line, and I'm trying to remember which uh, Solzhenitsyn book, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, where he's talking about the Russian mind. And of course, he himself uh, was Russian and uh, spent a bit of time in the Soviet gulag. Uh, but yeah, he, he was talking about uh, like a facet of, uh, of, like the Russian mind where they will bear any burden at all and then throw it all away in the end for a glass of vodka. And, you know, he was talking about characters and books and, and stuff like that. And, and you will get this sense in quite a bit of, uh, of Russian literature where people go through just crazy uh, tests of endurance to their psyches and their bodies and whatever, and then just do something ridiculously dumb (laughs) that is totally preventable. (laughs) And they just throw away everything they've spent 750 pages working for. Um, Well, I I have one other analogy real quick, and that is a a video that we did a couple of years ago on Snakes and Ladders. Snakes Mm. and Ladders, if anyone hasn't watched this video, is an extremely old board game extremely extremely when i say extremely old i don't mean like a hundred years um it is centuries old and you may or may not but you will now notice that the snakes are much longer (laughs) than the ladders and there is a there is a point behind that um and i forgot about and it has to do with what 
you know, we were just talking about where it can be like really easy to slide really far down these snakes and it can yeah. be much harder just to make that incremental progress up the ladder um, to, to, to see it illustrated mathematically <laughs> as, as well as psychologically then watch uh, my video on it, the secret of snakes and ladders. But this is something that yeah, human just, beings have known for quite a while. Yeah. And like probably the, the easiest way to think about it is with food. You can eat a thousand calories in like three minutes. It's going to be awesome. And it's extremely easy to do, mm. <laughs> but burning a thousand calories is not a three minute endeavor. <laughs> it takes quite a bit longer and is quite a bit harder uh, to accomplish. So yeah, sliding down, ruining life, all of that stuff is like, oh my God, it's there all the time. The, the, the temptations and possibilities, uh, just plain bad judgment too. All of that stuff can ruin you in a snap. So we started talking about all of this stuff and came up with six of these things that are snap ruiners, just guaranteed uh, to, to plumb the depths of suckitude in your life. Um, we're going to pop, because we want to stick to each of these. So I think we're going to pop a timer on each one. I'll, I'll do the timer, Kevin. Okay. Uh, are you comfortable introducing each of the things? Yeah, yeah, sure. So we'll start with one that we have really spoken about recently. So, mm -hmm. so you know, I think that the, the the timer will come in handy here, just so that we're not like belaboring this one, um, yep. because it's something. I think it's number one for a reason for us, because you and I see it a lot and discuss how damaging it is and it permeates like so much negative and destructive behavior uh, and every day you see it on social media in the news everywhere it's 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 pervasive and that is being resentful so number one I, I, how to guarantee you won't make it be resentful now i want to say first of all that some people are very successful in their resentment uh, they can yes. like resentment can get you jobs. Resentment can, uh, can motivate you. Can, can get you uh, attention. Can yeah. can get you followers on social media. Like resentment is really really powerful, and in many ways can get you ahead. So <laughs> yeah. so part of this seems like uh, totally contradictory where you can point to many, many extremely resentful people who are highly successful. But uh, I think as ter in terms of a long-term strategy, so uh, I think perhaps we right. should couch this first saying like, what is, if, if our presupposition is a, a, a life well-lived, <laughs> a life full of uh, uh, joy, uh, happiness, personal fulfillment, um, eudaimonia, whatever it is that, you know, the good life, whatever the good life is, if that's our presupposition and that's our long-term goal, then ultimately, I think for me, and I think that you will agree with this, that that resentment can't last. It can't lead there. Not, not no. in the long-term, eventually it's just going to blow up your heart and you're going to die young because of yeah. the negative effects of holding on to all of that just horrible poisonous fuel. Yeah. And there, there are two parts to this. The first thing I, I want to say on it is if you want to see this playing out right now, if you want to see this working in action, 
Uh, you look at Ethan Klein from H3H3. Uh, load up, load up the podcast and click uh, one video every six months, going back from the beginning up until uh, recent, and you will see a visual of how resentment affects somebody. There you go. It's sort of like in the beginning of uh, Return of the King, where they, I think it's Return of the King, where they they show how Gollum happened. Yeah. Well, that's what the one ring of resentment does to somebody. You f- you know you, you forget the taste of bread. Uh, you turn into the cave dweller. No, it's really unhealthy. You know, and it, it affects how sharp you are, how good you are. And it, the problem with resentment is that to have it by default, it means you're paying a lot of attention to other people. You can't be envious or you can't be resentful if you're not spending a ton of time uh, looking at. At others because that's what you're resentful about that's who you're envious of right so if you really embrace being resentful and angsty and all of that stuff you're dedicating so much time to thinking about other people that you're not doing what whatever your thing is you're not spending all your time on you and your pursuits i i feel very very lucky that I, I'm not a, a very envious person. I don't know why. I never really have been. I've been really happy with who I am. Um, even at the lowest points, I've never thought, like, I wish I could wake up and be this other person. And there's no rhyme or reason for that. I'm not saying that I, I have some superior headspace. No, I just got real lucky that the dominoes fell that way for me in a more natural way than it does for a lot of other people. And I feel so lucky because I don't spend any time thinking about anybody else in that capacity. I just don't. I, if, if I'm thinking about somebody else, it's because I'm sincerely interested in them or what they're doing. Or, uh, you know, maybe they've got a problem that I can help with. It's something like that. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but when you don't spend any time just, uh, just thinking about other people, what's wrong with them, why you deserve more than they do, why it sucks that they're successful. Uh, so so like I, I point out uh, H3, I'm not resentful that he has a, a huge amount of daily viewers compared to the create unknown. Like who cares? He does his thing. A lot of people like it. That's awesome. Uh, we do our thing. Uh, so it's not that, but at the same time, do I think that uh, that he's going to have the stress knob turned to 11 for another 10, 15 years sustainably? I don't think so. I don't think that's a, a healthy way to go about it. Um, you know, and I, I'm not, I don't know him personally. I'm not going to pretend to, but I'm not convinced that he loves what he does every day. Well, I do. I do. Uh, and if you go down that resent, resentment path that we talked about a lot in the last couple of weeks, we really went into detail there. Uh, you are guaranteed to just suck in the end and it may take 15 minutes and it may take 15 years or it may just keep you from from making it at all well it, it almost certainly will but like kevin said a lot of people ride the resentment wave to success um but yeah it's it's kind of no way to live once you're there so even if you are the exception it's just it's going to go badly it's going to go badly nobody had this crazy 75 year career of envy and resentment and they're like 98 years old and they're like "Ooh, i did that right (laughs) nobody does this betty white on her deathbed (laughs) didn't have to look back and say like i spent 75 years hating everybody 
No, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Dick Van Dyke isn't doing it now, now that he's like 200 years old and still kicking. Yeah, I was going to say that that there is like more to it than, yeah, just just worrying and thinking about other people. There is some some blend there of looking at other people, comparing it to what you have or, you know, hallucinating uh, as to a, a fictional world in which what other people have and what you have could be different based upon <laughs> pretty much nothing, your own imagination, like all, all of that and doing that continually when which is which is all pretty like in your own head uh rather than i i think what we try to talk about more on 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 this podcast which is kind of get it, getting out of your head and doing things <laughs> and uh yeah. creating things um focusing on you know whatever it is that you're building or you know your own situation with your family whatever it is that is productive for you and healthy for you that whole uh yeah like being professionally and permanently resentful thing it just seems like it's uh a cancerous a cancerous thing a cancerous way to to live long term that um yeah e even the people you know who do i don't know who do love you for it you know there are plenty of other people who will hate you for it. And it's, it's just such a weird, I mean, a lot of energy. It takes up a lot of energy. Well, to, to wrap it up, cause our timer did go off. Um, if it works and it probably won't, the resentment is going to get you in the end. It simply is not worth the time. It's not worth the time or the stress or the trouble. It is a tremendous amount of work to pay, to pay attention to other people and how and why they suck. And if you don't believe that, follow people in the commentary community because their, their videos, their content depends on kind of calling out others. It is a shocking, shocking amount of work. Uh, and all of that can, can probably be marshaled better. <laughs> it can be put toward more useful things uh, in your your own life. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, You'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. All right, uh, that's it. That's it for number one, uh, which was be resentful. Number two is very simply, we just wrote down be a disaster, which is pretty vague. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd love for you to expand upon exactly what you mean by 
be a disaster? Because I think that not being a disaster um, is what sort of kicked off this idea where um, if something pops up like your basement is flooding, well, not being a disaster makes that situation a lot more manageable to deal with. Uh, being a disaster could make that situation a thousand times harder than it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a very vague, <clears throat> excuse me, vague description. Uh, but it, it encompasses a lot of things. And you you think about like, what are the things that you need to have in place to, to pretty much live decently? And some of it is really, really basic. Uh, you can't eat like an idiot and expect that to go well after 20 years. Like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. I mean, you can be 15 and eat pizza for every, every, uh, breakfast and that's fine. But if you do it for 25 years, your energy isn't going to be there. Like you're going to develop all sorts of, uh, difficulties. Probably there's some basics like eating and sleeping that if you don't nail those, it's going to add up. And, uh, it's, it's so tempting to think that that stuff is normal when, when, you know, you're like constantly pulling all nighters and whatever, there's a point at which you can't do it anymore, you know, and that that's when you realize like, oh, it wasn't healthy to begin with. I was just much more able to absorb it. Well, if you, if you realize that there are a couple basic things like eating, sleeping, moving around, not getting into tremendous consumer debt, uh, you know, being able to, uh, like to have a, a consistent place to live, uh, just all of these basic elements of your life, you really truly have to focus on nailing those. It's not always possible uh, to nail them. You know, you may not have a job right now, or you may have a job that is not, you know, what, what you see yourself doing or what you want to do, whatever. You still work on those things and you prioritize those basics because they matter a lot more than they seem, especially when you're younger and you can absorb all the problems. Um, it's a little flippant to say not doing those things constitutes you being a disaster, but at the same time, that's ah, kind of true. Well, eventually, especially over time, I think that it again is important to perhaps catch all of these as uh, over time strategies, like long-term uh -huh. strategies, because yeah, like being a disaster when, when you're younger kind of is fine. I mean, there, there are times in your life when you want to experiment and <laughs> kind of be a little reckless and do things that you hopefully anything you want to confess here, Kevin. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, other than like, yeah, that series of murders, uh, other than that, no. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like th this, the this could be misconstrued as like a uh, you know be overly bubble wrapped and protective rule, and that uh, right. that's not that's that's bad. That would be bad advice as well. Uh, be that pendulum is is swinging too far the other way. Yeah, I think so. I think so. We 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 have read studies recently. Um, that suggests that, that the, oh. the pendulum has swung way too far into the you know, bubble wrap and uh, never take any risks side, um, which is absolutely its own danger and leads to other problems. So uh, there is a time and a place for being a disaster, for sure. And perhaps people... Taking risks, yeah, too. Taking you know, just risks. Just being, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like doing dumb stuff, um, <laughs> you know, is <laughs> kind of should be part of your life at some point. But eventually, no, that's not a good long term strategy. And neither is being a disaster. I have like a more specific analogy, I think, to just go back to this flooding basement. So, okay. Let's say that you have you have this basement that you should have been cleaning and maintaining and you have ignored for a dozen years and it's stacked to the ceiling with cardboard boxes and junk and God knows what else. Recyclables and like all sorts of things you've just thrown into the basement, Christmas decorations that you don't use anymore, old electronics and, uh, you know, it's a hoarder's paradise, floor to ceiling down in that basement. Okay, well, that scenario in which water is flooding that basement is going to be way more of a problem oh, to deal with God, yes. than someone who has cleaned, maintained, and uh, sort of kept organized their basement. Yeah. If your basement is clean and organized and you have things on off the floor and on like metal racks uh, you know, things done like nicely and properly and put away and stored nicely and properly. Perhaps they're in, you know, like plastic containers that are sealed instead of cardboard boxes that will get mushy and destroyed with water. Like there are a lot of steps you could take here, right? Practical steps mm -hmm. you could take here so that if the flood hits, it's a lot less of a problem overall yeah. than if you ignored it. So mm -hmm. I think that is sort of a like an easy to understand analogy that can extend to many different avenues and many different situations of many different people's lives where, you know, the be a, the be a disaster road makes things super hard and sort of like the, the be on top of things road uh, doesn't make the problem not suck because right. the problem's going to suck. But with probabilistic thinking, you can understand how a problem can suck, you know, 15% less, 70% <laughs> less than the 100% suck of this flooded hoarding basement. It's funny that you say the, the metal racks thing because it, my water disaster in the basement was alleviated because in months before I, I'd done everything you said and like finally cleaned stuff up and it, it, it it made the bad situation just bad and not a true crisis. Uh, but I, I want to say two things. The first one, I'm going to go, I'm going to lead with the grim one. Okay. And then I'll, I'll go to the, the happier, more fun one. Um, in October or so, my mom had a massive medical disaster, right? And it, it was one of those things. that's like a life changing thing for everybody. Well, if I hadn't spent the six months before that, getting myself in reasonable shape, nailing the food and the sleep and the activity, uh, getting a lot more relaxed, reducing anxiety as a result of those things, uh, catching up on, on work properly and all that, then absorbing that surprise and, and all the things that came with it would have been 10 times harder. It sucked very badly. There's nothing that anybody can do about that sort of thing. It pops when it pops. But I was in a position to to handle it much better than if it had happened even six months prior. So I was a lot less of a disaster. And then when disaster struck, I could get through it. And I, I, I just, I'm so thankful at how lucky I was to have the timing work on that because it would have broken me 
if it had happened a year before. So, so that is, that is huge. Number two is I mentioned in the past at one point I played a lot of cards in in a lot of parts of the world, I played a lot of poker, mostly the, the number one, ugh, excuse me, the number one important thing with playing cards to win at cards. If you do it often is to be in physical shape. And this is not a joke. This is not one of those like, oh, you'll never believe this one neat trick kind of things. It's as simple as this. You need to be able to focus, to sit and focus on the thing for as long as it's profitable. As an example, I I used to play with a friend in Las Vegas. We would go out and I, I simply had much more endurance. He was a much better card player. He would start to wane about three, four hours into a good game. Um, I didn't, if the table was good and it was profitable for 10 hours, I could stay for 10 hours. If it was 14, I could stay for 14. Uh, that made all the difference. I I did much better than he did with like a third of the talent and a 10th of the knowledge, uh, because I was just able to, you know, kind of keep it together longer. That's, that's the same with really everything we talk about. Like if you take care of the basics then you can execute your stuff way longer. Like now that I feel better, I've, I've, I've taken care of those basics. I get probably 25% more productive time each day. Some days it's half. And I bet some days I take total loser days and turn them into something. What would have been a you know total loss a while ago. Uh, so do not discount the value of extremely, extremely basic things. Um, they're basic for a reason, you know, like it goes back just generations where, uh, the, the benefits of this stuff are baked in to the oldest philosophies. There's a reason why in biblical texts, there's a day of rest built in. If you truly grind seven days a week, every single day, this is suboptimal in the long term. You know, that that's not good for anybody. Um, so you do have to nail just all those things. And it doesn't matter if you're playing cards or making YouTube videos or whatever. You need to be as sharp as possible uh, for as long as possible. And you need to be able to absorb whatever blow happens to you. You know, I mentioned consumer debt a little bit uh, ago as well, uh, where if you do have some crazy thing that hits your life, if you're already in a billion dollars of debt, it's really hard to take care of that. If you aren't if you if you haven't uh, bought every Funko Pop that's ever been released, <laughs> and you're in thirty nine thousand dollars of avoidable debt. Well, maybe some terrible thing happens to you, and you need to take a, a, a flight that you book that day that's nine hundred fifty dollars and grab a hotel room in another city because you know, like somebody's been in an accident. Okay, you can eat that that. $2,000 horrible surprise and then deal with it later, chip, chip away at it over time, whatever, but it's not going to completely ruin you. Not for life, but if you start out, you know, 40 grand deep, uh, then if some insane thing happens to you, uh, it could be the breaking point. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. And that's, that's the timer, by the I way, was gonna that say, happened as I was Yeah, I, I figured that, monologuing. that was about, I was about eight minutes on that one. All right. So number one, <laughs> yeah. be resentful. Number two, be a disaster. Number three is hope you get lucky. Luck is undoubtedly and without argument, part of any successful person's 
success. Mm. So what exactly is it about the statement hope that you get lucky or hoping to get lucky that guarantees that you won't make it? Yeah, this all came from a conversation I was having with, oh, I got to start the timer. Ooh, this all came from a conversation I was having with Charles Kahn. Uh, and he made such a good point that you have to be ready to capitalize on anything. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen an opportunity come through for somebody and they're not ready for a very simple reason. Now, one thing that's popped up lately is, uh, because of the time of year, you know, internships and stuff like that start, uh, they start putting their ads out in December, January, whatever, and that that fits uh, in between university semesters and all that. So uh, the resume and uh, slash CV and cover letter discussions happen. Well, here's an example of how you can be ready. 99% of people see a listing and and think, oh, I've I've got to get a resume together for this. I have to write a cover letter for this. And then they begin the task here. The the elite, the 1% of the 1%, have those things done, ready to go. They see the listing they want. They adjust their cover letter or uh, you know, write a new section for it, plug and play, whatever they have to do. And an hour later, they have submitted an application for the opportunity that, that they've been looking for. That's the difference between being ready and and being reactive and hoping you have the time to sort out the cover letter and resume. Maybe you do. Maybe you you don't. <laughs> Maybe you, you're on vacation all break. I don't know. Maybe it's just a really bad time in your life and you're strained. Could be anything. But you have to be you have to be ready and willing to take whatever opportunity comes through because you just don't have a lot of time on it. Almost all the time, you've got a, a short little clock and it's nice to be the first. Um, most people are not in a position to be the first, uh, but you have no idea when any opportunity is going to hit. You just have to be ready for everything all the time. Is 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 that feasible, Kevin? Do you think that's well, I don't. I don't know That's about everything. To say <laughs> I don't know about everything, but uh, as much as you can, sure. Uh, I think that there's a phrase that you make your own luck. That's pretty applicable here. I think that that sort of fits in with with the thesis of uh, of this idea because well, it involves you. <laughs> it involves you doing something in order to uh, engage with the luck. Um, luck isn't yeah. necessarily something that just falls into your lap or something that happens to you, although it does in some regard, but it, it really is a relationship. It, uh, luck is a relationship between the, the work that you put in ahead of time and perhaps these, this like serendipitous, the stars align, sort of whatever you want to call it thing occurring, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, l let me just give you the example of what happened with me and Vsauce. Okay. So mm, yeah. How how did I get involved with Vsauce? Okay. Well, I was making YouTube videos for years uh by myself for not a whole lot of fan base, not not a huge amount of people. Um for zero dollars, uh really with with no inclination that it would be more than zero dollars, sort of tomorrow or the next day. Um but Michael Stevens 
found that, found those videos, liked my sense of humor. He has this very similar sense of humor as I do. And then asked me if I wanted to submit some of the videos to this new thing no one had ever heard of called Vsauce. That was a brand new channel. And I thought, yeah, why not? And, and that actually kind of will go into number six later, uh, me saying yes to that. But uh, the point is, is that I was not sitting around or um, going to my three day jobs that I had at the time and then coming home and just opining the fact that I had no other opportunity in, you know, comedy writing or a creative field. I was leaving work. I was leaving my day job and doing my night job, which was at that time writing comics and jokes and making YouTube videos. So there was plenty of work involved on my end in order for that piece of luck or opportunity to manifest to begin with. And pretty much everything works this way. You know, I'm sure that there are some outliers of an outlier of an outlier where some like bizarre happenstance leads to someone getting some ridiculous opportunity. I'm sure that, I mean, we, I mean, nepotism is one of those things where you just happen to be born <laughs> as Tom Hanks's son and lo and behold, now you're in, you know, you're on Dexter season five or whatever. Um, <laughs> but aside from those, uh, extremely rare circumstances well yeah you have to put in the work in order to even even have a chance for luck to be involved as part of the equation of your success you do and people talk all the time that's like uh, about things like uh grinding away until you get your shot until you get your break whatever the real question here is when that happens are you in a position to take advantage of it it's really that simple if you're not in a position to take advantage of the good thing when it comes along, then it might as well have not come along at all. You you have to be ready for that. I mean, it's 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 odd because you have to think it's on the way at any minute, but you also have to think it's never coming. <laughs> you have to you have to hold both of these things in your head at the same time grind away like it doesn't matter and it's never going to matter. Grind away like 5 minutes from now the best opportunity ever is going to land in your lap. Uh, but you do have to be ready to take advantage of that. Um, that's really the difference. It's really the difference. And as you spend more time and know more people who do creative stuff, you will start to see, you will start to see the, with the people you know, how many of them miss chances that have come their way because they were not prepared, they were not ready, and then they will slowly rationalize why it was never a chance at all that this thing or that thing was wrong about it or you know it was a bad time or you know actually it wasn't that good it they will come up with every reason possible for why it wasn't the big break that it obviously obviously was and the truth is that they just weren't ready for it and if they had been they would have taken it and you know lived happily ever after but they didn't so don't be that person. You know, you can't control and be ready for everything. But it, like Conrad pulled the, the the quote here, be ready for everything you can be ready for. And then when that stuff pops up, it'll it'll seem like luck. But the truth is that you are just in a position to take advantage uh, of, of the opportunity. Uh, and that is 
Well, if you don't do that, it's never going to work out for you. It's not going to happen. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss every decent opportunity uh, that comes your way. The big break, no, it's not happening. So if you aren't ready, it will not work. Well, and also you probably just, uh, congratulations, set yourself up for the big, one of the biggest regrets of your life. I mean, how could you not then, yeah. you know, feel regretful afterwards that you missed out on that thing? For some reason, I was thinking of Hulk Hogan and the George Foreman grill. Uh, do you know this story? Was he up for the, no, no, no. Oh, what happened? I was just looking it up. Cause I was like, was this an example of what we're talking about? And, uh, I couldn't really discern sort of heads or tails of whether or not it really does line up with this hope you get lucky thing but yes uh, supposedly according to hulk hogan he was offered the george foreman grill sponsorship i guess it would have been the hulk hogan grill and uh like there are two different stories um as to why he why it went to george foreman instead one is that he like was picking up his kids and he missed a, a phone call from his agent and in the meantime like but uh, before he could call him back, it went to George Foreman, which that sounds kind of weird. Um, and then the other one was that his agent uh, presented him with two options. One was the grill and one was like a, a, a meat grinder or something. And he went with the meat grinder instead of the grill. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, uh, Google, Google Hulk Hogan, George Foreman grill. If you want to uh, just stick some useless information in your brain. Uh, after this podcast or during this pack podcast, just pause now and read about that. Uh, although I, I don't think that you'll re really come away being a better person uh, either way, since it seems like <laughs> the actual story is in total dispute as to what occurred. We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. So, um, I, I, all right. Uh, are we good on uh, to move on to number four? We're good. The timer has timed. Okay. So to recap, number one, be resentful. Number two, be a disaster. Number three, hope you get lucky. Number four, isolate yourself. Now, number four, I think it might be the most relevant one uh, to kind of all of us these days. Since can I, can I cheat and give this a 10-minute timer instead of eight? Okay. Okay. We're going to cheat on... Isolate it, yourself. It's just too big. It's too important. Yeah. So I think that we should start off with isolate yourself uh, as a topic by stating that um, this is a growing concern and problem mm -hmm. that we are not making up. <laughs> this is not. No. This is not Kevin and Matt are you know 
pontificating on the podcast about things that uh, they think um, are a problem. Uh, there is a growing no. body of research and literature in um, in like fields of psychology that are really kind of proving that uh, loneliness, isolation, uh, lack of connection, lack of friendships, mm -hmm. lack of intimate relationships, all of these things, pretty much every single metric measurable uh, has seen uh, a substantial decline, uh, not only over the past three or four generations, but really ramping up in Gen Z. And yeah. I think everyone could anecdotally understand ramping up since COVID. Yeah, yeah, and this um, this is not a like oh you need to touch grass kind of thing. It, it's it's not that. It's quite a bit more uh, serious and broad. So, uh, Kevin, what are some of the specifics that we saw in like we were looking at a specific study the other day, and that, like there was a a massive decline in teens who had been on a date. That was one, right? Like in our generation, it was like 71% and now it's something like 50. Is that fair? I don't want to make up numbers because I don't remember, but uh, yeah, uh, some of the the, the measured um, items were, yeah, percentage uh, that have had uh, a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, percentage that have drank alcohol, which is a social activity, uh, at, especially, you know, for, for young people, uh, percentage of people that have had a paying job, um, which... Right. Again, tends to be, you know, a, a social activity outside of your school peer group is that, you know, you work whatever at a restaurant or for a at a supermarket and you interact with different people at work than you do at school or at home. Um, and all of these things are really about like integrating with the world around you, aren't they? Real quick, whether it's friends real or quick, what? The other one was even number of friends. So like the, oh, okay. the number of reported friends that people have generation to generation has declined. Yeah. Yeah. All of these things point to isolation. And the other half of almost every one of these studies is that, guess what? These people are unhappier <laughs> than past generations. They don't uh, feel as good right now and they don't feel as good about their prospects down the line. Uh, and we've and talked, hold on real quick, Matt, yeah. uh, unhappiness as reported by increases specifically in depression and anxiety. So that's how they measure. Yes. That's how that's measured. Yeah. Yep. We did a full episode on networking and how important that is. We've talked a lot of times about getting off the island, about, uh, integrating with, with just everything in the, whatever sphere you're in, the people and the process that makes it all run the way it does. Um, this is different though. This is a different flavor, kind of a different strain. Oh, a lot of people are truly isolated, you know, and, and replying to tweets is, is not enough. That's not it. Now I, I didn't fully appreciate any of this until about a week ago, Kevin started talking about how amazing the alternatives are <laughs> like how amazing terrible food for you actually tastes how good video games are netflix is uh, just like it's awesome it, it's really awesome it's it's hard to do the hard things like 
in the past, the alternatives weren't so good. I mean, like I, I'm thinking back to, you know, 1991, let's say when you still called people on the phone, your friends to talk to them, you know, it, it's 1991. Do you want to call your friend and talk about whatever, probably something stupid and useless, or, or do you want to watch night court on TV? And if you don't know how it was a funny show, but I use this because it's being rebooted now. So like the people who missed out the first time around are going to be able to understand this uh, soon. Well, it wasn't that hard of a choice. Now it's like, well, do you want to call somebody or do you want to engage in any of the best activities in uh, the whole of human history that are that are perfectly catered to you and your interests? <laughs> you can't you can't beat that. You have to really go out of your way to do things it's like I'm going to go work a job that I probably don't want to do. The jobs that high school kids get are not usually jobs they want to do. Um, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have a social interaction that is something I'm not used to, whether it's asking somebody out on a date and facing a decent probability of rejection, uh, whether it's trying to make new friends, which is its own circle in hell. It's so hard. You know, all these things where the outcome can be anxiety inducing and difficult. Uh, the alternative is, well, I don't do any of that. And instead I get the best fulfillment ever instantly, never ending. <laughs> well, that's true, but, but you also set up this total isolation. Oh, and that doesn't work out. That doesn't work out, uh, professionally, personally, individually uh, it just doesn't well that's what i was thinking of when when, when uh, you know we were talking about this last week is like yeah the options are do i do this thing that i'm uncomfortable with that might make me uncomfortable that might go badly that i might feel bad about that might be awkward or do i do exactly what i know i really like to do which is you know play minecraft or watch my favorite streamer <laughs> or like literally any Tokinos and Final Fantasy seven. Yes. Play the new this new video game or watch this new show <laughs> that I'm addicted to and I'm just binge watching or yeah, these things that are all designed explicitly to be amazing. And they are. Mm -hmm. Um man, that's a really hard sell. It's a really hard sell to it's say, a, yep. no, don't do that. Like, don't play this unbelievably amazing video game all night. What you should do is you should, yeah, what, <laughs> go to the mall and like meet people that you may have nothing in common with? Like, that's a ridiculous, ridiculous proposition. So I, I actually don't even have uh, actionable advice on how to get around this because it's a problem that's, no, either. that seems intractable no. to me right now. I say me either, but this is absolutely the core of of me putting hurt in the, the, the tagline of, of hurt, hate, and be happy. This is the hurt that I'm talking about where you do the stuff that maybe you're going to be like literally in pain the next day. You know, you did something, you worked hard enough that you're going to be sore the next day. Uh, or you take a shot and ask somebody out and get shot down and feel terrible about it. You've got, you've got to do these things that, have the potential to, or definitely will bring some kind of pain, but you understand that it's a, a good productive pain. D 
Does that make sense? You know, it's like people who lift weights. If they lift weights and they aren't sore, they're not they're not building muscle. They haven't worked out hard enough to advance anything at all. Well, a lot of things work that way. You have to take risks uh, and be extremely vulnerable and usually pay a price. You usually pay a price for the good things that matter. And sometimes it's it's uh, physical. Sometimes it is mental or emotional. Uh, it could be anything. It can be social, too. Um, but you've you've really got to hurt and if you don't if you don't hurt in those ways you are probably isolated you probably have you are, are operating totally untethered with everything that matters in the world you probably sit there and browse reddit and twitter and have very strong political opinions and you're certain about everything that goes on in the world yet you're entirely isolated from it yeah i think that the only potentially useful advice that I would ever give on this, you know, which I'm sure a lot of people would reject whole cloth, but it might work out for some is, is really to get a, a, a crappy job, like get some stupid job, whether it is, you know, washing dish, dishes or bussing tables, um, mowing lawns, painting houses, like something to get you out of the house, to get around other people who you wouldn't interact with. Because the thing is, is that in those situations, you have forced time with other people that you can't manufacture uh, in any other way. Like you, you can't really manufacture a way to hang out with people the way that it happens when you work like at a restaurant, say, where there's like a, a whole... Yeah eclectic mix of different people from different walks of lives with different goals and different attitudes and different backgrounds and different interests that now you are forced to learn how to present yourself to, um, learn, you know, more about yourself, more about other people, more about them. Even if, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to do this for $6 an hour or whatever it is. It's like, well, it's possible. Could I throw out the fact that there are intangible benefits here aside from the paycheck that you cannot possibly know what they'll be later because they are intangible. That's what an intangible thing is uh, that I could promise you will have will almost virtually guarantee it will pay off somehow, some way, someday. Again, yeah. those are just words. Like, how, how could you, you know, who's going to listen to that yeah. and be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that instead of playing Fortnite. I don't know. What we can do is, is check in on every single person in the Discord chat right now, for example, in 25 years, identify the ones who have isolated themselves and then see how it's worked out. Episode 3913 of the Create Unknown is going to be the wrap up where we see how isolation has worked out for people in the community. <laughs> that, that, that'll be, that'll be the, uh, the proof of our just words, because uh, it's, it's definitely going to go real bad. But well, one other thing that is extremely important to mention, and we cannot move on without mentioning the fact that you and I sympathize a million percent with people who want to be left alone. You, oh, we do. You, yeah, you yeah, are yeah, not going to find two people <laughs> anywhere in any walk of life that appreciate their alone time more than Matt and I. So this isn't a yeah. personality thing. Like we're not coming at this from a, 
Well, uh, uh, introverts are weird and smelly and stupid. It's like, no, 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 no. That is not it. Uh, that is not it at all. Uh, it's actually, it should be, I would hope more compelling coming from people who do prefer to prefer isolation that we're saying, look, that is not a a great long-term strategy for developing anything in your life. It just, it just isn't. No. And, and we are that way we are now because we have, we've gotten past the opening stage of careers, you know, like uh, I said to Kevin before we started this episode, like I am one of the most isolated people I know. However, I have an incredibly strong, diverse network of people internationally that I have built over nearly 25 years that I, I can tap for any reason at any time. I've, I've done my my network building and <laughs> my non-isolation uh, in many countries of the world. Now I'm quite happy to be left alone, but that's because I've already done it. I'm not actually isolated. I'm just like removed from the network that I can jump back in at any time. So uh, there's that. And like, as an example of this, I, I really laugh because uh, a couple days, whatever the last day that, that mail came before the new year, I don't know if it was the 31st or the 30th, whatever. I went out to get the mail and down the road, my closest neighbors were walking and they shouted happy new year to me. I was like, oh, same to you, same to you. Went in the house and I realized that was the only time that I had spoken to them all year. The only interaction that I had with them in 2022 was them saying happy new year to me minutes before the year was said, over. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> and and been totally satisfied with the interaction. <laughs> but that's how isolated I am. And I'm quite happy with that. Uh, I, I really like my life. Uh, and But I also love, I mean, we talked a lot about enjoying events that we go to and the people, the people there. I had a ball at the last VidCon with, uh, you know, a bunch of people who are involved in uh, this community, you know, and the creators we know and stuff. I like all of that. That's really good. If you just play the isolation game, there, there's just, there's nothing for you and the opportunities aren't going to flow your way and you won't have anybody to commiserate with when things go badly. And so you'll stew in your own head. Uh, you will wonder why things good things are happening in the world but they don't seem to be happening to you if you think about the stuff that we've talked about earlier today in the first three little guaranteed to ruin you bits uh, and also in the past few weeks a lot of them a lot of them go along with with isolation and and like kevin opened with now we're beginning to see irrefutable quantitative proof that isolation is happening for younger people, not not so much uh, our generation, but the the Gen Gen Zs and the current teens and all of that stuff, they they still have time to fix it. And the people who avoid that isolation and the the ones who make the connections and the networks and all of that, oh my God, are they going to have a leg up? Oh, oh they're going to be at the an, front of the line for everything. Yeah. yeah, we never had yeah. that because everybody was kind of doing it and some you had to be the best at it. Now, simply doing it is going to automatically put you in like the top 10% of everything. Yeah, just show up. 
Hey, I'm Nolan Sykes, a host of Past Gas, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Every week, my co-hosts, James Pumphrey, Joe Weber, and I bring you some of our favorite stories from the hollowed halls of car history. From the amazing to the weird to the utterly unforgettable moments, we cover it all. Join us as we take a look at the wild stories and larger-than-life characters behind legendary cars and car makers. So if you love cars or just like a good story, check out Past Gas by Donut Media, the number one automotive podcast in the world. Um, okay. Well, how are we on time? Did we hit 10 minutes on that? We did. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We did. All right. Uh, so here comes number five. Number five is obsess over originality. Now, now why do you think obsessing over originality will uh, guarantee that you won't make it? I think that it makes, makes it virtually certain that you won't make anything at all. Uh, I think it's pretty, pretty close to impossible. And also there's this, sorry, I just punched the microphone. It's strange that people think originality is what others value, that they even want to see something that is new and original. Oh, that's interesting. They, they kind of, they kind of don't. Yeah. They they just don't. No, I don't. Uh, Kevin, have you ever read a book series that has like a hundred books in it? No. Where it's like a formulaic thing. So I'm thinking of young adult kind of things. The Hardy Boys books are like this. Um, the Warrior Cats books that I've referenced a bunch of times are like this. Well, the, the author name on the Warrior series is Aaron Hunter. Aaron Hunter was actually three different women who worked together to write these books. Uh, Frank Dixon with the Hardy Boys I mean, that was the name on the front, but I think at a point, other people were just ghostwriting these. You know, they're wildly successful series that are not like shockingly original. Everyone is is kind of the same as the one before it. Um, A lot of people are pretty happy with with most of the movies being reboots now. You know, we've talked about like ninety percent of the top grossing movies being continuations uh, of franchises or reboots of old movies well they're still grossing it's not like that list is like the top 10 losing movies of the year no that was going to be uh, my point exactly was look at hollywood it's just the same yeah uh, especially these days it's like okay it's all franchise it's all franchise because yep. it's franchise and also the other thing that's really important are stars so p- mm-hmm. part part of the part of the reason that someone becomes a star in Hollywood is that people will pay money to see them repeatedly. Why do they like that? Why do you want to see another Tom Cruise thing when you know it's not, you know, how, how, how much suspension of disbelief can you even achieve when you're looking at Tom Cruise? This happened to me trying, <laughs> trying to watch the, the last duel recently, which was a, a Ridley Scott film that bombed, uh, which could go into, yeah, like people don't want original things. I'm sitting there watching The Last Duel and I, I'm just staring at Matt Damon with this stupid goatee and I can't, I can't get into the movie because all I can think of is that I'm just watching Matt Damon with a stupid goatee pretending to be a French knight and I couldn't get over it. I turned it <laughs> off. I stopped watching it. Well, if you as a creator think, Ah, everything I have, I, I do has to be original or it's going to be shit where nobody's going to like it. It's just not going to work for you. It's not. 
It won't. Kevin, imagine if on Vsauce 2, you had to invent every math paradox that you made a video about. Like, like you sit down to invent a, a paradox that you can then make a video of instead of, well, taking a paradox that's existed for 3,000 years and coming up with a fresh angle on it. Is your content derivative? I, I mean, yes, in the sense that you didn't invent that math or that paradox. But no, in that you're doing a fresh take on it. But I don't know how many people I talk to who want to do YouTube channels, but they think that their idea, like 50 people are doing the idea already. Well, they probably are. So what? So what? If you think about this in any other context at all, it would sound idiotic. It would sound so stupid if you thought, I want to write truly original songs that don't sound like anybody else. So I'm just not going to listen to any music, period. How is that going to work out? I want to write a book that is not, I want to write a fantasy series that isn't, you know, yet another uh, derivative piece of of, uh, Lord of the Rings. Well, you know, so I'm not going to read any fantasy novel. Yes, your thing is very likely to be different. I bet it will be unique. It's also going to suck balls. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be awful. It's completely okay to to be derivative. It's even okay if it's zero percent original. I mentioned the warrior cats thing because I think about like fictional small animals all the time. Like many times a day, I, I'm thinking about like squirrel characters and chipmunks and rabbits and foxes and like anything. If it's smaller than a dog, I think about it fictionally like ten times a day. <laughs> I wish I could just write stories. I I wish I could write stories about these animals uh, with all my time. And I can guarantee you that they would be 0% original. They would be just like so many of the series that came before and the books that came before. That's okay. That's, That's what I want to do. That's what people would like also. It's totally fine. And if I, if I sat down and thought, I want to have uh, some stories that involve a rabbit and a squirrel and a chipmunk and a fox. What can make this 100% original? I am going to be 87 years old before I get the first chapter of that book done. Uh, Real quick, this reminds me of something that I read like last month. I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something, the gist of it was that people, when it comes to probably anything in in regards to entertainment. They want to know what's going to happen, but they want to be surprised with how it happens. Mm. So let's say that again. The things that people like, they like because they know what's going to happen, but they are surprised how it happens. And uh, half of that equation is they know what's going to (laughs) happen. The, the, the trick and the job of the creator, which is their own spin, you could say, is the sparkle dust of twisting how you get there. But people have to know where they are first. They're not just going to wander into a desert blind and assume and start from scratch with no idea, no signposts and no connection and no context as to your thing. No, they're going to go to a place they're already familiar with. And then they're going to be happy with, you know, the surprise that you, the, the, the personality that you have, whatever, the twist, however you want to articulate it. That is what people I wish like. I could, yeah. 
It is. They want to have a sense of what's coming, but yeah, then have it be a surprise. Like, I wish I could think of a more contemporary, better known film than this, but because I am isolated and do nothing and talk to nobody, the best I can do is The Departed because you don't, you know, from pretty early on, like a quarter into that movie. This is with uh, Matt Damon, uh, Mark Wahlberg. I forget who else is in The Departed. Um, the, the plot begins to intertwine in a way that you know, Jack Nicholson, that's right, you know is not going to work out for, for these people. It's You know instantly that it is literally impossible for this to continue much longer the way it is. And you know that it's going to go very, very badly for somebody. And then you watch the movie to find out what goes badly, how, and who it goes badly for. You don't know that until it all resolves, but you know, this is going to happen. Like you're waiting for that shoe to drop. It's a boot that's going to stomp and it keeps building and building to that. But then you're totally surprised by how it actually happens. Woo. Got a little timer action. Um, you can do that with, with something that's the same kind of structure uh, as, as another thing, even the departed, which, uh, intertwines cops and and mobsters that's not original (laughs) they're literally a hundred years of movies that that are structured in that way and it was a great movie i liked it a lot it's one of it's one of my favorites uh and i still the the important part wasn't the originality it was that structure that kevin's talking about and then there was a lot of original stuff along the way, things that made it really compelling and awesome and, you know, action oriented and like good characters and everything. It's fine. But if uh, if the idea was like, uh, I've got to sit down and write a film concept that is 100 percent original, that movie never gets made. That's the you point know? I so, was going to make is because yeah. we never actually addressed why this is a problem. It's it's mm-hmm. a problem because you can get paralyzed by this impossible, a possible notion of creating this completely original thing. So just don't worry about that. No, no. You will do nothing if you're obsessed over originality. You will do absolutely nothing. And whether it's music, whether it's writing, uh, anything, if you're obsessed with making sure that nobody has done anything like every piece of it before, you will do nothing. Yeah, so that that's a good way to guarantee you won't make it uh, by doing yeah, nothing. Not to start at all. Yeah. All right. Here's our last one. Our last one. Okay, I, I need to expand upon this because <laughs> number six just says say no. Uh, oh, this is your point. This yeah. is my point. I guess I just we just wrote this down like way too vaguely and briefly. So uh, say no. The 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 <laughs> what the actual point is is that. Um, is actually to say yes. Well, 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 say no will guarantee you won't make it. Here, here, here. Yep. Let me back up a second. Saying yes gives you a shot. Saying yes to something, uh, even if ninety percent of you wants to say no to this opportunity, mm-hmm. um, is something that you should do. You should say yes. So, so saying no to a thing that you should should say yes to will guarantee you won't make it. Because if you say no, well, then it won't happen. So you know. There, that, that's really kind of pretty cut and dry as far as how this rule fits in with the other five, uh, because you're just avoiding the thing that could have turned out amazingly for you. And now you'll never know. So, um, I have a couple of stories, um, from my life in which I said yes to things that I was really uncomfortable with. 
Um, so like we said, in isolate yourself briefly, uh, you know, I, I personally am a person who likes to keep to himself. I am definitely pretty hard on the introvert side. I like to do my own thing and getting outside of my comfort zone is something that I do with hesitation every single time, <laughs> like almost no matter what the opportunity is, I am hesitant to say yes. So this might not, this role might only apply to people like me. So maybe I should preface it with that is if you are the type of person that I am, when you're asked to do something uh, and your first response is, eh, well, let me just say that if you say no to every single one of those, then you're just closing a door every single time, uh, like objectively closing the door every single time and not even allowing the opportunity for whatever that is to blossom into something unimaginably good. And the type of things that are unimaginably good that other people look at and think to themselves, well, how did that person get that? How did that person get that opportunity? How did they get there? What did you do to get to where you are? Like These are some of the most common and first thoughts that people will have when they're when they're trying to do anything and they are using someone who is successful or where they're at as a model for what they should do. Is they think, you know, how did you get here? How did you become a writer on Late Night with Conan O'Brien? How did you become Vsauce 2? How did you become the, the center fielder for the New York Yankees? Well, probably you're a pretty good athlete and that's a good place to start. But the point is there were a few times earlier in my life in which I was presented with an opportunity from somebody else who noticed what I was doing and thought I would be good at doing something. And they said, hey, you know, you really should do this. One concrete example has to do with a, uh, an improv comedy group that I was in in college. So I was aware of this college improv group. They were very, very popular on campus. Uh, they performed actually off campus. You, you know, one, one of the people from this group is nice Peter from Epic Rap Battles of History. He he oh. he was in it a few years before I was. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody knows Epic Rap Battles of History, uh, he was in this college improv comedy group. Uh, I think he might have graduated the year before I got there. So anyway, everybody knew this comedy group. They were pretty popular on campus. It's a small campus, and it was a thing that everybody did once a month. They would go see this comedy show. I went and kind of, I guess, coincidentally ended up in a class uh, with the director of that comedy group. I was in a public speaking class with the girl who directed it. Um, we sat next to each other. She thought I was funny just in class, just with like the banter that you have kind of before and after classes. And she asked me to audition for the group. This was not something that I had in mind at all. Like I had not thought like, yeah, what I really want to do is get in front of like hundreds of people. Uh, this show, this, um, the shows were performed in an old opera house, absolutely beautiful opera house uh, in town. So I don't know. It just felt like a lot of pressure. It was like very anxiety inducing to even think about like getting up uh, and it's a small comedy group. It's just you and, you know, like eight other people 
it's not like that you're you can hide and you really can't hide <laughs> when you know you're the main person in one of the games on stage in front of hundreds of people and you didn't do any of the theater stuff in high school did you i don't i don't remember like you didn't do performing stuff in that same vein did you i i did the senior play um yeah. for similar reasons where the the woman who directed it asked me to do a specific role and i was like okay and i did it and actually I, I did like doing that but i only had to memorize like three lines it was really easy yeah that's that's totally different it was not walking out on stage in front of a couple of hundred like dr drunk college students and and literally just trying to make up being funny on the spot which is what yeah that, that sounds nightmarish that was a much different thing so anyway so she asked me to because she thought I was funny, like, please audition for the thing. And I'm like, uh, okay. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to. And I did it and I ended up being pretty good. I, you know, I made the audition. I made it onto, yep. uh, into the group. I was selected as one of like a few people that year that made it into the group. Um, when she graduated, she ended up making me co-director of the group. So that worked out. not only was this a thing that I didn't really want to do and convince myself to try and then made it into it, I ended up running the thing within the next year or so. And now I was in charge of everybody. So you just don't know. Like, and if I had said no, and if I had given in to my, ang my, my anxious feelings and being afraid of putting myself out there like that, you know, none of that would have happened. And I'm still friends with some of the people, you know, from that group 20 years later. Um, I met nice Peter one time and <laughs> was able to give him like a funny anecdote that we were both in this comedy group uh, a couple of years apart. So, uh, and certainly that ended up aiding me in ways that I can't quantify now. So, and this has happened a couple other times, but you know, I'm, uh, we don't have to spend the rest of the podcast talking about it, but there have been several instances for me in, in my life in which I wanted to say no, I was about to say no, I said yes, and, and, I, and I don't regret it. And I had a great time and a lot of great things, and I have a lot of great memories as a result of that. Yep. Yeah. There are a couple of reasons to say no. Uh, to, and it, it can be discomfort, like you said, it, that sounded kind of awkward and anxiety inducing and and not really w what you were up for but you pushed yourself through it uh and that worked out i had i had uh, a a scheduling thing pop when i was in college where one class fit uh what i what i needed for a requirement however that class basically gave me a nine hour in the classroom day on tuesdays it started at eight in the morning and uh, finished at 9 p.m. I, I remember there's a one-hour break at lunch and then one uh, from five to six. And I, I thought, this is too much of a grind. This is grueling. I don't want to do this. Uh, I will wait you know, until next year when I can choose something that is, is better. I didn't want the discomfort of it. Uh, I changed my mind and uh, I ended up uh, encountering a, a professor who was extremely influential for me. He, he was incredible at what he did uh, with uh, history and the arts and writing and all these things. And it, it completely altered my, my trajectory in the college setting. And I can't imagine what 
how things would have turned out if if that hadn't happened. I, I just don't know. I cannot I cannot picture it. And it set me up for many, many years of uh, you know, like I mentioned, going to other countries and having some sense of of what those places were when I got there and what I was doing there. It made all the difference. And and it it could have been negated, could have never happened for something as dumb as I don't want to have to power through Tuesdays 13 times a year, once, one time in my life. <laughs> like When I look back at it now, that's such a stupidly small price to pay. But at the time, I'm like, oh, this is an insurmountable problem. I can't possibly have a Tuesday like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. But there are so many reasons to say no. It's not just... Uh, the things that in in that little vignette and uh, in Kevin's stories, a lot of people say no because they don't feel like they're valued enough, like the money isn't good enough for what they're doing. Uh, they're worth more. Well, here's the truth. You're worth zero dollars in most ways. Uh, <laughs> everybody in the episode chat right now, as a masseuse to me, you are worth zero dollars. I don't want you to touch me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want a massage right now. I will I will not pay you anything to touch me right now. No, there are circumstances in which your value is zero. And it's actually a lot of circumstances. And people are always saying, charge what you're worth, you know, like get that bag. Well, you have to demonstrate your value first. And that's something that I think Kevin and I have done a very good job of. Well, in the past, not so much now because we've we have a body of work. But back in the day, we got good opportunities because we demonstrated our value. And that meant doing things for free. It meant doing things uh, at a rate that was not great. Um, you know, you mentioned that first video you did for Vsauce. It wasn't ten thousand dollars, you know. It no. it wasn't uh, much it, much of anything. It was really an honorarium kind of like thank thanks for doing this. I appreciate your work payment. <laughs> you know, um, it, people say no because of the money constantly, and they don't realize that they're passing up on an opportunity to demonstrate their value. When once they've done that, they can command that price and that value, and also start actually getting it coming in make the contract happen make the arrangement happen make the job happen um you, you know kevin i did this with with you where this the job that i do with you and vsauce did not exist and we pretty much worked it into existence didn't we yeah over the course of a year or two yeah. more than a year more like three uh, yeah yeah because i remember talking to you about scripts when i was in israel and that was that was 2013. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like three solid years of, of yeah, two or three solid years of just like that really demonstrating why this is a thing and why I should do it. And then at a point it made sense to start that. None of that ever happens if, if the beginning of the conversation is, ah, I'm worth $97 an hour, Kevin Lieber. Right. Oh, I'm not going to give you any work unless you pay me what I'm worth. Huh. No, I have a great life now in large part due to not taking that attitude. I did so many things for free back in the day and I got tremendous experience. Uh, it, it put me in a position to command what I'm worth. So it, there are definitely times where it's not worth doing something, whether it's for free or for too little money or whatever. There are a lot of good reasons to say no. 
And you do have to say no sometimes, a lot of the time. But you need to think about whether you're saying no because you don't want it to be hard on you, which was Kevin's story. Uh, or are you saying no and missing out on, the, on uh, a chance to demonstrate your value? If it's one of those situations and you're missing that chance to demonstrate value, then you think again about it and think, what happened? What's my ideal path here? Do I do this thing for pennies or free or whatever it is? Then what's the next step and what's the next step? And then what's the end game? If that's compelling, if that seems worth it, then it's not a no anymore. It's a yes. And you can always stop any at any point in that process. Maybe you were wrong. Maybe it was a dead end that you didn't see. Well, so what? You gave it a go. Uh, you have a little bit of uh, experience and stuff in your portfolio. Uh, on to the next one. That's it. But there are so many reasons that seem on the surface uh, to, to make no the right answer. <sighs> Man, it, no is how you blow it. Saying no in the circumstances that we've just outlined is how you absolutely blow it. Yeah, one other thing I would I would say about this topic before we wrap up is that you have to also trust that you you don't know the good thing it could lead to. Like you you can't map all this yeah. stuff out. You oh, can't yeah, be no like, okay, okay, if I say yes to this particular thing, then seven years from now, this person that I'll meet will get a job at this place. And when they're looking for, you know, to scale up and they need somebody, they'll call me and it'll be a perfect up, you know. But that's yeah. how life works. I mean, that's how so many yep. things work is like it is this ridiculous butterfly effect that is never going to be possible to map out or or plan or write in your day journal about what it's going to lead to in nine years. That's not happening. So accept that. So simultaneously accept that and the fact that anything could happen and it's worth taking like allowing for the opportunity for anything to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, when I look at the recap here, when I look at the, the way all six of these points play together, they really do mix nicely. You know, they're like components of a, of a bubbling stew, very savory, uh, but they all independently, each one, it matters. And there are specific ways that you can think about it in your life. Like every one of these six things you can you can relate to something in your life. It would be impossible for somebody not to have all of these things uh, go on for them. Uh, but they're all really intertwined. You know, not saying no, uh, or I mean, saying no is actually related to uh, that isolating yourself point, where when you when you pop the Totinos out of the microwave and load up the video machine. You're saying no to something a lot more productive. You're saying yes to something that ultimately, you know, it's going to be awesome. Um, it's it's not going to advance your life very much, but you're softly saying no to all of the alternatives. The opportunity cost of this is very high. So many points throughout the day, you encounter each of these six things in a way that relates to one of the others. You know, when you say no to yourself less, well, then you're more prepared when you need to get lucky in number three. When you do the, the difficult things, uh, you go to sleep because you need the sleep rather than staying up binge watching a thing while you're a little less of number two be a disaster. 
you know, when things work out for you a little more often or they're not as difficult to bear uh, as if you had been a disaster, you're a little bit, number one, less resentful. You know, all of this stuff plays well with all the other pieces. Well, and also I want to say that it's uh, ultimately to give yourself a shot. <laughs> I mean, the point the point of this list is not here is exactly what you need to do to be successful. Well, that's ridiculous. There's no formula for that. What this list is suggesting is like, well, here, here are things to, you know, really consider uh, or reconsider engaging in that could be dramatically hindering where it is you want to go or what it is you want to do or who it is you want to be or how it is you want to live your life. And those are all really pretty actionable things, um, which I think is a lot better to talk about than you know, some sort of mythical paint by numbers, uh, just give me, you know, pyramid scheme. Here's how you get successful. Like, no, 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 it's not that. It's like, here are the things to set yourself, uh, set yourself up optimally. And that's really all you can hope to do. But that can be enough. I mean, if, if you're not going to start there, then, well, I guess that's the whole point of this episode is, well, then you're not going to make it. <laughs> Whatever it is you want to do, uh, there are steps that you can take to better allow that to happen. And there are things that you can do to almost guarantee that it won't. I like it. And the episode chat has been flying with all of this as people, you know, different, different things have, have resonated in different ways. And, and I hope that, uh, I hope that we get comments about some of these points too. And if there's anything else that you think is guarantee, uh, it will guarantee failure. That, that would be good. I, I can see coming up with, with another list of six things that is just going to sink you. Um, but you know, all six of these things you can do something about. It is, you have total control over most of them. Um, isolating yourself really is the hardest one because that does by default depend on somebody else. <laughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you, you can't just like bust down somebody's door and command their friendship. Like, no, no, no. There's another person at play here, but you know, taking care of yourself is something that is largely in your control. You get to decide generally what you say yes and no to. Uh, you can, you can decide to you know, pursue a, a project regardless of whether it's, it's, uh, so original that it will be up for a Nobel. Um, most of these things are totally within your, your control. Yeah. All right. That's it for this week. Uh, we have a, a solid run of guests booked. Uh, the next month is booked. Yes, we do. So, uh, we will be back, uh, next week and for the following several weeks at our reg regularly scheduled time for our patrons. <laughs> I know there is a little bit of, uh, discussion about how we recorded this one early today, but we recorded this early because again, um, our friend alternate history hub had, had life happen today. It happens yeah. to all of us. It's not, it's, it is what it is. And, uh, we'll get him back, uh, booked for the show, uh, sometime early this year, but, uh, yeah, yeah. We will see you back next week and the week after that. And the week after that with some great guests line up 2023 is happening. Uh, we are hitting check the our stride. The discord. Yeah. Yeah. Check the, uh, join the discord. If you're not in the discord to, to make sure that you're up to every event, there is an event uh, tab at the top of the discord. So if you're ever wondering you know, who our upcoming guests are and when, um, follow us on Twitter and also join the discord. Uh, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. 
and we would be happy to have you. But uh, yeah, we will see you next week with uh, a pretty mega guest that I am very excited to speak with. But until then, see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan Malatch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Chelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71.